Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Amen. If you wouldn't your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 3. As we continue the series of following in the steps of Jesus in the Gospel of John, really going through the Gospel of John verse by verse, and again, we divert from it every once in a while, uh, so we continue to go forward. John chapter 3 and verse 1. We followed on, Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry uh, there at the age of 30. We see this recorded in John chapter 1. John the Baptist sees Jesus, says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus calls several of his disciples to him. His, uh, and then in John chapter 2, we have Jesus Christ uh, going to there to the marriage of Cain of Galilee. And there he performs a miracle of turning the water into wine. The last uh, portion of scripture we studied was Jesus Christ cleansing the temple there in chapter 2. In chapter 3 now, we have a meeting uh, with Nicodemus. So let's look there with me. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book that you've given us. And we do thank you for salvation. And I pray today that the new birth will be made very clear. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the most important passages in the Bible. It's the first passage to mention the new birth. And uh, again, we can understand a lot of the truths in the Bible, and we may understand a lot of the truths in the Bible, but this truth uh, given to us by Jesus, to this man Nicodemus, is the most important truth in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's really the difference between going to heaven or going to hell. It's the difference between having your sins forgiven or not having your sins forgiven. And so it is a very, very important passage. Here we have Nicodemus, a very sincere man, a wise man, a good man, seeking answers. And so we see here in the very first part, we notice that in, in verse 1, that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a Pharisee. Uh, this was, again, there were two, really two sects. There were uh, some more little um, other branches in their religious sector, but the main two branches of their religion was the Pharisee or a Sadducee. The Pharisee is what Nicodemus was. A Sadducee was kind of the liberal wing and the Pharisees were the conservative wing. Remind you of anything? Anyway, the, the, the Sadducees did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in, in the resurrection and, 
And I, I learned as a kid the way to remember the Sadducees between the difference between what the Pharisees believe and what the Sadducees believe is the Sadducees were sad, you see. Because they did not believe in the um, resurrection of the dead. So there you can believe, you can remember the two, uh, the liberal wing and the conservative wing uh, by sad, you see. They're sad. But, but uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. A Pharisee, again, the conservative religious body. They strictly kept the law. Uh, they added to the law. They had a, a book. In fact, they were in their book, they added to the law. There was 24 chapters just on how to keep the Sabbath. How, you know, the, the, the Sabbath that God gave them, the Saturday that they were to uh, dedicate to the Lord, uh, the Pharisees had, a, had a, a book, basically, 24 chapters on how to keep the Sabbath that they had added to the Word of God. Most Pharisees were hypocrites. You, you, have, a, you have 24 chapters on how to keep the Sabbath. At some point, you're going to be a hypocrite. <laughs> anyway... Uh, they, uh, they fasted t- twice a week. They were required to memorize the first five books of the Bible, which is the Pentateuch or the first five books of the law. Uh, they, they were very much dedicated to, to their religious thinking and their religious body. And uh, they were, again, conservative. They memorized the Bible and on and on and on. They, they tithed. They publicly tithed. They wanted everybody to see them tithe. They had a certain way they dressed. I mean, it was all about them. It certainly wasn't about God. The Pharisee. Nicodemus. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but it goes on to say a ruler of the Jews. That means he was, he was a part of the Sanhedrin, which really was the Supreme Court of the Jewish nation. In other words, though they were under Roman domination, the Roman government, the Roman government had given the Jews some leeway. Um, the Jews could govern their, their own people, except they could not put someone to death. That's why Jesus was given to the Roman government, because they wanted to see Jesus put to death. But the Sanhedrin didn't have the, the ability to do that. They didn't have uh, the legal way to do that. But th- they had their little Supreme Court, and Nicodemus was on that. So not only was he a Nicodemus, the conservative, you know, very much uh, followed by the book of the law, but he was... A part of the Sanhedrin, part of this Supreme Court, a ruler of the Jews. And then verse 10, we're not going to read that one, but it says he's a master of Israel. That means not only was he um, a conservative uh, in his beliefs and and a legalist, all those things. Not only was he a part of the Supreme Court, but he was a master of Israel, which means basically he was an historian, but it also means that he was rich. It, it, uh, historians tell us, those who are in the know, say that he was one of four of the richest men in Israel. So this man was not just your average ordinary man. He was a very wealthy man. But he sought the Lord, it says. The same came to Jesus by night and said, verse 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Came to him by night. It says why? Because he feared the Jews. He, he feared his reputation. He, he, he didn't want anyone to know that he had come to see Jesus. He, he, he really didn't want his buddies to know. Though it does say we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Which leads us to know that there were other people in as Pharisees who did look to Jesus as something different. Someone different. Calling him rabbi. Calling him a teacher. 
So it wasn't just Nicodemus that was a part of the Pharisees who had questions as to who Jesus was and what was going on. But there was a we involved there. He called him, by the way, just, just to back up, he came to him in secret. Nicodemus came to him in secret because his reputation was on the line. Christians, we need to be careful. We, we don't need to be silent about our Christianity. We got kids going back to school. Listen, young people, you, people should know. Your friends, your neighbors should know that you're a Christian. It should not be something done in secret. We need to stand for Christ. And I know we keep saying this from the pulpit, and, but it's so true. We need to stand today more than ever. And, and by the way, you can be a brighter light today more than ever because there is such darkness out there. And we need to stand for Jesus Christ, popular or not, politically, politically correct or not. We need to stand for Jesus Christ and for the word of God and what it teaches us. This is our roadmap. This is our guide. And uh, of all matters of faith and practice, we just learned that in Sunday school. Stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of faith, you know, flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your home. Put on the gospel armor, right? We need to stand up, stand up for Jesus. He came to Jesus by night. He did call him a rabbi, which means teacher. In other words, he gave him some respect. He gave him some respect. It says there, it says, For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. This means that Nicodemus understood the Old Testament prophets who prophesied that the Messiah would come and the Messiah, the signs that he was indeed the Messiah would be that he would perform miracles. So Nicodemus understood the Old Testament prophecy of who the Messiah would be and and what he would do. He would perform miracles. If we went back to chapter 2, we'd see that many people believed, but they believed because of the miracles he performed. Now, in John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus. I believe Jesus, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus because, again, of the miracles he performed. In other words, we know that you can't do these things except it come from, the, from, from God. These miracles that you performed. Uh, and also, just as a side note, point out that though John only records the, the miracle of turning water into wine, here he's alluding to that there was many more miracles performed that he did not take down. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he only records seven of Christ's miracles. So Nicodemus says, we know that you have come from the Lord. We know you've come from God because of these miracles you performed. There was a lot of, of importance placed upon what Jesus did when he comes to his miracles, rather than his character. There was a lot more emphasis placed upon his miracles and those who believed because of the miracles than it was based upon his teachings. But can I tell you, the teachings were far more important than the miracles. His character was far more proof that he was God than his miracles. His life was far more proof than the miracles he performed that he was indeed the Messiah. In other words, the miracles were just part of that proof. My whole point to that is, the Jews put more importance upon the miracles and believing because of the miracles than it did upon the character and upon what Jesus taught. And therefore, as stated in John chapter 2, many of these believed, but not believed in case of salvation, 
but believed that he was indeed what Nicodemus is saying here, that he was indeed come from God. So make sure you understand that. The Bible says that the devils believe and tremble. They know there's a God, but just because you know there's a God, and, it, and then Brother McCracken pointed out so good while he was here, and just because you know there's a, a person named Jesus, and that he came, he died, he was buried, and rose, just knowing those things does not save you. It's putting your faith and trust in that work that Jesus performed that saves you. So Nicodemus is necessarily not claiming or nor his, him coming to Jesus does not quantify him as a believer here. He's just seen the miracles and he knows that, that Jesus is someone who's come from God. But he is seeking the answers and Jesus gives him the answers. Jesus answered and said it to him. Uh, by the way, this was a 30-year-old young man. Jesus Christ was, right? So here he doesn't, uh, he doesn't go, uh, man, thank you for calling me a teacher. That's awesome. You being of the Sanhedrin, you just legitimized my ministry. He doesn't take time. You know, no, Jesus Christ wasn't the typical young man. He, he didn't need the pat on the back. You know, I'm just pointing that out because I thought it was cool. In other words, Jesus comes right back. Here's the, here's the answer. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you don't know the answer? The answer is you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. The term verily, verily is just there to say this is, great, this is of great importance. It's like saying a double amen. Listen. <laughs> He's like saying, listen, listen to me, listen to me. You must be born again or you will not see heaven. You will not see the kingdom of God. Trying to illustrate this. And now my illustration is, yeah, Joshua, please come up to the front. My middle son doesn't always complains about being the middle child and never being pointed out or ever being recognized. So today I thought, you know what? I'm going to absolutely recognize my middle son, the middle child. So I'd like for him to stand there and be the illustration. I'll try not to make this illustration as long as the Camp Gladiator illustration in Sunday school. You must be born again. I, I tell you what, I picked Josh for a reason. Yeah, kind of straighten your tie there. He's wondering if I'm going to hit him or not. <laughs> Would all of you agree that if you saw myself and Mr. Josh here walking down the street, that you would say, that is his son? Even more than that, if my dad was here and he was standing beside me, remember most of you have met my dad, he preached here a few months ago. If he was standing here and I was standing here and Josh was standing here, you'd all say, those people are kin. Those people right there, they're, they're kin to each other because, man, they look a lot alike. Absolutely look a lot alike. Right? I mean, a lot alike. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Tolentino, would you come to the front, please? I mean, there's no mistaking if you met us somewhere that he's my son. It's just it's going to be there. We have the big nose, Right? We're even built, he's built like me. My, I'm built like my dad. He's standing way over there somewhere. <laughs> but there's, 
I mean, there's little, no doubt. I mean, um, that we're the same. Um, why, why is that? I mean, we're, we're, we look a lot alike because he was born into our family, made of our jeans, right? Not, not jeans that you wear. Those are britches, by the way. I don't use the word jeans. I don't say, go get the jeans. I say, where's my britches at? But, but it came from, he was born of his mom and dad. I mean, therefore, sadly, he looks like me. He looks like me. And, and if I got Caleb and Mike up here, they look somewhat like, I mean, it's, there's evident there that we're alike, especially the nose issue. It's a Crawford thing. If I was to be walking with, uh, I hate to call you, not little B anymore, but I've known Mr. Brandon here since he was very small. I still, the funniest story I have of you is when you went out the backyard that one time, you all found an animal and you came back in. Oh, that's hilarious, man. Can we tell that one? That's an awesome story. So it was something dead out in the backyard. He, him and, it was Patrick, right? Noah. Noah. Him and Noah come back into the house. And they say, Mama, Mama, there's something out in the back. There's something dead in the backyard. And, and uh, whoever it was, Andrew, whoever said, uh, well, what did it look like? And Brandon went. <laughs> he went. Not, he didn't name what the animal was. He said, this is what it looked like. <laughs> Sorry, that was awesome. See? I'm losing it again. If me and Brandon were walking down the street, very evident that him and I, that there's, he's not naturally born from myself. I love him, but you could evidently, you could tell that we're not of the same britches. Not of the same genes. Right? I mean, very, very clear. Everybody got it? I mean, this, this is a simple, silly illustration, but it's absolutely true. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, he was saying, per se, Nicodemus, in order for you to enter the kingdom of God, you must be spiritually born, right? You must be born a second time. How can I enter the second time in my mother's womb? All those things. You see, here's the, here's the problem. Some people are trying to get to heaven, or trying to have their sins forgiven and get to heaven, by trying to mimic becoming a son of God. In other words, they'll say, well, if I change my language or if I'll just uh, change some things in my life, I can, I can become a son of God. I can, I, can, I can go to heaven when I die. I can become a child of God. Or, you know, maybe uh, if, if, I, uh, if, if I change some features about myself or I change this or I change that, that I could become you know, a part of the family. Can I just tell you, in order to become a part of the family of God, you must be born again. In order for, it would be impossible for Brandon to become a part of our family. Technically. I understand there's adoption. By the way, that's a whole nother sermon. And I'm thankful the Bible describes in another place, several places, it describes being a part of God's family as an adoption. So it describes it as a new birth. It describes it as an adoption. But today we're talking about a new birth. All right? That's the illustrate. I'm Y'all good? By the way, all Jesus is doing here is illustrating it. He's illustrating the truth. He illustrates the same truth in other ways. 
He illustrates that the truth here is a new birth. In other places, it's illustrated as an adoption. Okay? New birth. So how do I become a part of Crawford family? I can't just, can't just change your nose and get the big one in order to become a part of the Crawford family. You could go get the little, you know, the little uh, glasses with the nose on it. And, you know what I'm talking about? It won't help. It won't help you. Um, you could try to try to a little, little more of a hick accent. You know, you could start saying flyer instead of flower. You could start saying oil instead of oil, I mean oil instead of oil. But you could try to change your your vernacular to my accent. You know, would you be a Crawford then if you change your? No, won't be a Crawford, right? He's still a Tolentino. A patriot. Ain't New England patriot fan. Oh, sorry. I just now got the whole church against you. Whole church is against you now. They're all after you. No, I mean, he's still a Tolentino. And he likes that. The Tolentinos are back there. He, I mean, he's a Tolentino. You can't become a Crawford by simply changing the way he looks or changing the way he acts or changing his, you know, his voice or his dialect, whatever. No. No, in order to, in, in this illustration, in order to do so, he'd have to be born again. And that's impossible. Thank you very much. Good job, everybody. Yeah. They need a hand. So Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus, hey, if you'll do, change this or change that or do this or do that, you can become part of God's family. No, he said you've got to be born again. You, gotta, you, you, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, he actually, don't get on to him for asking the right question. He just said, what do you mean by that? Do you mean I can enter my mother's belly a second time? And no, no, no. That which is of the flesh is fleshly. That which is of the spirit is spirit. He said, verily, verily, I send to you, you must be born of the spirit. Or uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Salvation is found in the new birth of being spiritually born. When we are born to this world, we are born, the Bible describes it, our, our existence as a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit, right? We're born into this world bodily. Our soul is who we are. It's our personality. It's who we are. Our spirit, the Bible said, is born into this world dead because we are dead in trespasses and sins. It's the spiritual part of mankind that needs to be revived. It needs to be made alive. Quickened, the Bible says there in Ephesians. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. To be made alive. To be born again. To be born again. In other words, in order to see the kingdom of God, there must be two births. A water, physical birth. And I, just as a side note, there are certain sects or certain religions who teach this as teaching that water baptism saves you. This is clearly talking about a physical birth, Amen. clearly illustrating for us a spiritual truth and has nothing to do with salvation when it comes to being baptized. But he says you must be physically be born, but secondly, you must be spiritually born. And the spiritual birth is described for us Again, as the Bible goes on, clearly states as a salvation by grace through faith. 
The flesh is fleshly. In other words, the old nature is, is fleshly. It's empty. It's without God. But the spiritual birth required is a new birth. To be born again. 7 and 8. Marvel not that I send to you must be born again. Verse 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't physically, with your naked eyes, see it happen. But when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and abides in them. The Holy Spirit comes and quickens that dead spirit, and that spirit becomes alive. And then I'm going to quote again. Ephesians says, You who were dead in trespass, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. That spirit becomes alive. We become born again. You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again in order to enter to the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born twice. Be born physically and be born spiritually. And I ask the question this morning, are you born again? Has there been a time in your life when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you come to Jesus and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, when I have sinned, and I need you. Lord, I believe you lived, you died, and you rose again in order that you might forgive me my sins and give me a home in heaven. Lord, I believe you. Right? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Aren't you glad of that? God is no respecter of persons. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Has there been a time in your life when you've called upon the name of the Lord? I hope so. Christian, by the way, being born again, there'll be evidences of being born again. You say, well, I've got saved. Well, there ought to be evidence of that in your life. There ought to be evidence of that in your life. The Bible describes the new birth as a new creation, that we are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I just want to challenge you as we, as we get back into the routine of life and school started and everything's kind of mellows out from the, from the summer that we are reminded that there ought to be evidence in our lives of the new birth. And though we can't see it, just like we can't see the wind, we know the new birth there because of the evidence that we see in each life who's a part of the Crawford family. No, who's a part of God's family. And if you're a part of God's family, there ought to be a difference between you and the world out there. There ought to be a difference. The new birth is not a reformation. It's not an amendment. It's not a moral change or an outward alteration of life. It's a thorough change of the heart. It's a metamorphosis from the inside out. And as John said, there will be evidence of this. Jesus said there'll be evidence of it in your life. Faith in Christ, living right and doing right, Loving God's people. Again, new habits, <laughs> new tastes, new appetites, new hopes. These are all evidence of a new birth in your life. I was with uh, someone here lately and we were talking about children and things that are going on in everybody's life. And 
I said, you know, uh, how do you know that somebody is saved even though they may be in sin? How, how would you know somebody is saved even though they're living a, a life that's not pleasing to the Lord? How would you know if they're saved or not? The way you know it is if it bothers them. If someone who has strayed from the Lord, if it doesn't bother them, then they never were really a, a child anyway. I know that's going on a lot today. People say, well, you know, somebody who strays from the Lord or whatever the case is, they're just not saved. Well, that's not true either. They may be out straying from the Lord and under a lot of conviction. I've seen it many, many times. We need to be careful about making rash uh, judgments of people and uh, understanding that God may be working on them big time. In fact, we ought to pray for them that God will work on them big time. But the new creation, that new birth, ought to bring a change in someone's life. And if it, and if it seemingly doesn't to our, our eyes, man, what God may be doing on the heart <laughs> will eventually come out. Right? Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. It'll come out. The new birth. Have you been born again? Let's all stand. Are you a part of the family of God? I love that old song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this far. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Have you experienced the new birth? If not, I hope that you'll take uh, just uh, courage and step out of your chair and come forward. Let us show you from the Bible how you can be a part of the family of God how you can experience the new birth. And then as we look forward to the challenge of the week, may we be encouraged by the grace of God and empowered by the grace of God to, uh, again, to, to testify by our life that we've experienced a new birth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your love, and we thank you for this wonderful illustration that your son gave us. Lord, may we uh, absolutely know, may we know without a shadow of a doubt that we've experienced a new birth. If there's someone here today who hasn't and who doesn't, I pray, God, that you would touch their hearts today. And Lord, as we go throughout the week, may we live as though we are part of your family. Not because we have to, but because we love you. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.